Yo. What up? What up? What's happening? It's all good, baby. What up? Happy last day of Black History Month. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This Happy is like the greatest day in the, uh, of the year for white supremacists. Happy Ninja Month. We, we here. <laughs> we here, baby. It's all. It's almost over. And they would let Trump speak on the last day of Black History Month at that yes, uh, conference or whatever. So, and, go ahead. Uh, so, what's up, man? How, how are you feeling now that it is fe finally February twenty eighth? We've gotten through uh, another Black History Month. What do you think, man? You know, man, I, I I I put it in a post the other day that I think, you know, we have to continue to be black history. We can't just allow this month to go by. You know, I, I just said, you know, I said, don't worry about, you know, if you're not Malcolm or Martin or 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 Marcus Garvey or Fe Frederick Douglass, any of them. You need to, you know, create your own black history. Get married, you know, start a family. That's black history. You know, be that first person that went to college. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> what? You are so crazy, man. You know, be that first person that went to college. You know what I'm saying? That, that's black history. Right. You know, nobody else in your family went to college. Well, I mean, you could also blow up a building. You'll be black history then, too. <laughs> I knew you had something to say. <laughs> we won't forget you. <laughs> <laughs> I, now I'm trying to be the serious one today. We'll know, we'll know exactly who you are, <laughs> and you'll never be forgotten. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, no. In all seriousness, you're right, man. I mean, we say we got to be black 365, but we got to put that to work, you know. And to be honest, we do. I, I think we kind of have to stop like bashing and trying to one-up each other with the rhetoric like y'all celebrate one month i do we all we, we don't stop being black i'm gonna still be black in the morning i'm gonna be and black they they gonna stop me on my way to work whether right I'm, right right whether so, February or not listen i i could be drinking a shamrock shake and eating a gyro <laughs> walking around at the italian fest and i'm still gonna be black so we are we are you know when i walk in that when i walk in that bank and and don't nobody want to talk to me. <laughs> you black history. No, you know I'm about to get no. <laughs> you you are black history. When I try to get that loan, they say no. Hey, you book. have any co-signers? If I did, they would be here with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know I ain't got no co-signer. It ain't worse when they you know they you don't need no co. They make you get like six of them. I'm like right. man, I don't even have six friends. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, you know, we but we do this because it's meaningful. You know, one thing that kind of kind of kind of grinds my gears a little bit is that people are harassing the idea of Black History Month as if it wasn't started by black hit by black people. Right. People are literally talking as if white people gave us Black History Month. And you know, to me, it's an insult. It's an insult to our history to create something for ourselves and then turn around and and bash it like it's another part of slavery or something. I, I just it, don't get it. And the truth of the matter is there was a necessity for it. If there was not a necessity for it, we wouldn't have it. And there's still a, is. They, and right. Still there, is. There's a necessity because history books have carefully chosen to leave out our legacy and our life. And so we take this one month, 
We take this one month, and, and like you said, we ought to do it all year long. But we take this one month so that throughout over the airwaves, throughout the TV stations, and that that's that you know once again, you know, you know, TV's TV's about to start pulling the ads. <laughs> um, oh yeah, oh yeah. Radio stations ain't gonna talk about it no more. Uh, the car lots ain't having a Black History Month sale no more. It's right. all over. I mean, it comes right. to an end. It's today. over. I saw I saw a post on Facebook that said uh my dude broke up with his white girlfriend and she took Black Lives Matter out of her bio. <laughs> she said she said not not anymore Daquan. Woo. <laughs> we are religiously incorrect today. Listen, good evening everybody. We just chopped it up Pierre, Pastor Tatum, Alex, Lady Dela Cruz, Sarah Jameson. It's good to see y'all. Do me a favor, like and share. Jeanette, like and share. Come on in the room, children. Welcome, President Michael Harrison. A ain't, ain't he doing a good job over there renovating his entire church by hand? Man. Over now, there playing Bob the Builder. I thought he was just doing the sanctuary. He nah. done the bathrooms. <laughs> he got the red carpet coming up to the church. I said, what? He, car he carpeted <laughs> he carpeted the, uh, the sidewalk. <laughs> the, the place where you park the parking lot. The parking <laughs> lot. Park I said, what? He got turf out there. <laughs> That's Harrison. He out there playing Minecraft with the church. <laughs> he just building. Lord have mercy. After just building random <laughs> Legoland church. <laughs> then I saw them chairs you stole from the Oval Office, President Harrison. I saw them chairs. Man. You got from the, uh, the uh, Trump clearance sale at the White House when they were selling all this stuff off. I, I want I I to see one of them chairs. I saw it and I just started singing, I'm coming home, I'm <laughs> coming home. Tell the world I'm coming home. If I have to sit in one of them chairs, I'm definitely going to sleep during the service. I'm just telling you that right now because they, they look awfully comfortable. But, but, but big shout out to Union Baptist. Big, big shout out to you. Also a big shout out to Pastor Todd and uh, Black Boys Read. I, I, I watched it the other day. Yes, sir. Yes. Now, listen, my, my if y'all, y'all, I need everybody here watching to tune in to Black Boys Read next week. My son is reading, he's reading excerpts from the Tupac bio. Um, <laughs> me against the world. <laughs> so I already got laid out. You know, thug reading, life. I was raised in the city. You know, he's gonna lift his shirt up and have a thug life across <laughs> his chest he, and a marker. He ready, baby. He ready. Hey, we, we it, it's rolling strong, man. It, it, it's rolling strong. It's going good. We appreciate everybody's donations. You know, appreciate you, you know, sending the money. Uh, we already talked about it last week, but Pastor Jeff has a great effort coming up in uh, April, I believe. Yes, working definitely. with local pastors, working on our team. So I get them young while they're still innocent. Jeff want to fight somebody. Jeff, Jeff, <laughs> he want that crew. You got to, you got to punch in the throat. Yes, sir. They got they they sign a disclosure to come in there. Listen, I'm the kindergarten teacher. Jeff is the uh, juvenile justice uh, resident advisor. So uh, <laughs> shout out the rope. And everything there that, that you guys are going to be doing, looking for a great impact. And, you know, that, that that segues right into our subject for tonight, which is called Let's Work. Let's Work. Uh, Jeff, how many times have you heard people talk about the church should do this, that in the community? You know, how many times have we used the cliche? It's about what goes on outside the four walls of the church. And like Black History Month, 
the work of Christians in the church has always gone on beyond the walls in one way or another. Most of our organizations, especially in the black community, have their roots in the church. HBCUs have their roots in the church. The NAACP, the A. Philip Randolph Institute, the Rainbow Coalition, the SCLC, some of the historical core, SNCC, all those old groups, and then even newer ones that are like grassroots organizations local to our community, they're usually staffed and stocked and supported by church folk, to be honest. I mean, that's why every banquet you go to, they end up still having a prayer and a preacher doing benediction. You know, you, you don't you don't go to NAACP bank when they be talking about Assalamu alaikum or whatever. You know, you don't you don't you know Hotep. You don't. Hear, I mean, not to say that there's no room for that, right, but it's right, just right. that it has always been traditionally a Christianized endeavor. And tonight we're talking the intersection. You know where there's crosstalk between the church and our nonprofit world, organizations that uplift and empower our community. And Jeff, I know you have. Uh, one of the biggest mover and shakers in Warren, uh, historically, he is Black History, and right. Mr. Sonny Morgan, he is he is walking Black History. Uh, tell me about your experiences working right quick before we invite our guest in. Uh, tell me about your experiences with that and your interactions with nonprofits and local organizations, not to mention Action. Right, right. Hey, last gonna say, you know, obviously I was uh, the president of Action for uh, two terms, you know, and, and, you know, like you said, it these organizations, many of these organizations that we uh, watch and that we, you know, they are run by uh, the, the ministerial staff, the uh, clergy caucus, uh, which you might want to call it, the clergy caucus, where we uh, just, you know, we, we sort of make things work. We're, we're sort of the inner workings of these organizations. And I think that I think that every organization, um, you know, and I think that every church, every black pastor, especially our, our Baptist pastors, not just the Baptist pastors, but particularly the Baptist pastors, um, we it, we hold these organizations near and dear to our heart because, yeah. you know, yeah. oftentimes we do have to get, like we just said, outside the four walls and do some work. And, you know, a lot of times our members aren't, you know, they, they come into church and they go on home. So right. us teaming up with these local organizations that are already have grassroots uh, in the community and we're just able to push and, and, and move with these organizations. So uh, I think, you know, there are many, many, many black pastors that I know who are doing phenomenal jobs. Uh, once again, obviously, Pastor Harrison, Pastor Macklin is in every organization in Youngstown. He and some organizations that we didn't know existed. <laughs> he, he in the Detroit Community Council. I'm like, what is how you get to Detroit? Um the Harlem Stop the Violence Committee. <laughs> it's all over. You obviously Pastor uh Pastor Simon is like, you right. know, you know, that's that is black he black history for real, for real. Yeah, yeah. You know, he he no justice, no peace forever. You know, yeah, he lives in Wakanda. Right. So in that spirit, our very special guest is a young lady who is Honestly, she is one of the hardest working uh, individuals. And I'm not even going to say woman no more. I'm trying to clean up my gender language because sometimes we compartmentalize people by gender. Like, oh, that's the hardest working right. woman. No, she's one of the hardest working people in the Valley. She has worked with Youngstown Business Incubator, Women in Business, Inspiring Minds, Youngstown, co-owns Ryan's Chair Barbershop and Beauty Salon. She's a part of a bunch of organizations. I'm not reading this bio. 
you know, because when us preachers get up, we pretend like we're being humble. We be like, you don't have to read the bio, doc. Just tell him I love the Lord and I want to do his will. That's what we say. Then we, get mad. we get mad when they don't read it, though. So our special guest tonight is the one and only Youngstown's own Stephanie Gilchrist. I want religiously incorrect. Get up for our guest tonight. What's happening? Hey, hey. what's happening? I was over here just dying. You, you two are just hilarious. hilarious. That's all I can say. We're going to lose a um, guest one of these days. We're going to yeah. lose one one of these days. No, not at all. It might be tonight. It might be, no. it might be tonight. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that one. I'm with How you. How are you? How are you? I'm, How's everything? Man, great. Good. You know, like you said, wrapping up Black History Month, but, I, I, you know, whatever that means, you know, because I'm still Black tomorrow on March 1. So just keeping the fight and the hope alive for the folks in our city and community. Love it. Love Let it. me just start off by telling you, you know, um, I, I talked to my mother-in-law, Rosalind, today, and mm -hmm. you know, I thought you were going to be on the show, and she gave, you, she gave you the highest praise. She said if she could put a straw in your head and suck up all your knowledge, she would do that in a second. <laughs> wow. I mean, and from, from, oh from my, from my mother-in-law, who just, you know, who, who was one of the business minds of Warren, that, yes. is, that is a huge compliment. So we are, we are so grateful to have you tonight. Thank you. It is such an honor. I'm telling you, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, Rosalind is that chick. So, you know, thank you. She's wow. Love yeah, it. I know, Love right? It. Love it. So tell us, Stephanie, what have you worked on and what are you working on right now? Just give us a quick down and dirty. What have you worked on and what are you working on right now? You know, worked on women in entrepreneurship, helping minorities in our community, the youth in our community with education, and now starting a whole new movement with youth entrepreneurship in our city, trying to get our black and brown kids involved in entrepreneurship and ownership and knowing who they are and where they come from. Kind of like reviving the black Wall Street, but in yeah. our city, if that makes sense. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Teach ownership that's, that's, and get them going and get them moving. Yeah. Go ahead. Absolutely right. That's what we want to do is that legacy piece. I think we're missing that. So that is something that we're trying to do is just build legacy amongst our youth. Yep. Absolutely, sir. When yes. I was new to uh second, uh I know the history because my family is a West Side Warren. Uh you know, we're homegrown West Side Warren. We own businesses over there. And mm -hmm. I ended up taking a walk with two teenagers one day and showing them all the places where black businesses once existed. And they were blown away, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that there were gas stations and supermarkets and dry cleaners and, you know, barber shops and, you know, all manner of stores and, and they were all black owned. And I think that there's a new generation that knows nothing but Walmart and the mall. They, they don't yeah. know anything but the, the large corporations they don't know mm -hmm. what that neighborhood business mindset feels like. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm from Warren originally, like Third Street, Warren. Um, my, daddy still, my dad still live on 7th Street. God bless him. He's still there. Um, so, Warren, like you said, I remember being able to walk to the corner stores and to be able to go to the Black-owned businesses as a little girl um, and to now see our communities just boarded up and looking desolate is really um, 
my motivation for trying to to change and impact our community as a whole. Sister for sure. Stephanie. Yes. So Stephanie, um, Miles Monroe once said that uh, the richest place in the world is in the graveyard. Mm -hmm. He said that because there are many people who uh, have died with, uh, you know, witty inventions and gifts and, 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 and all this stuff, they've died with that. So, and I'm looking at our youth today and a lot of them feel as, you know, they, they can't do it. Maybe they don't have the money. Maybe they don't have the finances. Maybe they just feel like because I'm black, I'll mm -hmm. be turned away and ignored. Mm -hmm. What would you what, what what do you tell these young people uh, who may have you know inventions in their mind or who may have you know I want to start a business and you know well, I don't know how to make a blueprint I don't know how to make the plan I have it in my mind I know what I want to do mm -hmm. uh, but how do I do it how do I what 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 do I start what's my A to B so yeah. For me, those are the, those are the kids I love to have around me that are inquisitive and want to know because I've been blessed to have so many folks in my life that are resources and heavy hitters in our community from business owners to NFL players or team owners that I can call and say, hey, I have someone here and I don't know the answer. Can you mentor them? Can you help me with them? Let's get them going. Shockingly, um, I'm just going to be honest with you. George Floyd, Black Lives Matter in 2020 made being black hot and being right. a black youth, <laughs> it made us hot. You know, people, yeah, I mean, you're talking about white guilt all day long and doing the youth program I'm doing now was tripping me out are the white men in my community that have called my phone and oh, said, wow. listen, I heard what you do. I want to help. How can I help? One was like, what you need? What you need me to do? I'm like, you already donated something. He's like, no, but I need to do more. Like, I want to, I'm like, okay, I got a kid you can mentor. That's what you can do. I already got you. So I think that's the thing. Like now it's just telling our kids, what do you want? Whatever you want, you can have. It is possible. When you have pastors like yourselves here on here, on the line, and then you're doing work in the community, myself, we have a black mayor, we have black people in city council, we have people in position. Now it's time to stop talking and let's go to work, do the work. That's the bottom line, it. let's do the work. Yep. Hey, whoever uh, whoever them white people are, uh, just tell them to call my phone. <laughs> whoever Listen, white you people. got something warm, what you talking about? I, you I know, know you but I'll take more, I will take more. <laughs> <laughs> my cup runneth over. Yes, I feel you on that one. I feel no, you, you said something, and and this is very true. The 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 response to the Black Lives Matter movement, the numbers, the tens of millions of dollars that companies have been doling out. I said to my business buddy, I said it's crazy because it made me think. Number one, you obviously had this money all the time. Right. You, you didn't just come up with this money in 2020. You had this in 2019 and 2018 and 2017. And I remember, and you know about this stuff, going through the funding cycles, connecting with corporations. Many of them have worked to avoid the, uh, the, the, the random request, if you will, by picking a focus. So mm -hmm. this corporation says, well, we do veterans. Oh, yeah. And if you're not really working with veterans, you know, da, 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 da. this one does Ronald McDonald House. So they're kind of sort of edging out those of us who would want to reach out. But now it's become just poor, poor, poor. Do you worry sometimes that there could be waste and misguided, uh, you know, funds just going everywhere? And sometimes maybe announcements being made, but not actually impact. Do you ever 
worry that a lot yeah. of that might happen? Uh-huh, uh-huh, all the time. So for instance, so how many people would know that PNC obligated $100 billion last year towards black businesses and black um, initiatives and programs? A lot of people didn't know that. Wow. And I'm still waiting to see the fruit of that. P PNC has done that as a, a bank in the national level, but in our local level, they've been great. But I want that $100 billion piece to come to my community more. Um, Huntington just committed to $20 billion to help with Black businesses. So this is what somebody told me before. Um, a girl out of Chicago, she said to me, she said, this is what I need y'all all to do as Black organizations. Where do you bank? Go to that bank and say, I need to see a list, a roster of all the Black businesses you supported in the last so many years. Oh, I need wow. a list. And start holding them accountable because she said they have you have CRA dollars, you have CRA um, things in place, people in place that are supposed to be out in the community with banks and organizations to help us, and they haven't been doing their job. They failed at it, you know. Yeah. So now we have to hold them accountable and say, "Listen, this is what we do." Remember, Pastor Simon did that to build the church. He yep. was like, "Take all my money out," and every saint went and took their money out. That's what we need to do. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, once again, I worked with Action, and one of one of my favorite members of Action, and still one of my favorite guys, is Ian Beniston. Uh, oh, Lord, and, yes. And Ian, Ian would always, you know, we'd had these meetings. We talk about people giving, and Ian said, either cash or cancel. Is that mm -hmm. something? Cash or cancel? And it, it mean you if you ain't paying your funds, if you ain't paying your you know, your dues or whatever. And I think that's something like you said, we need to do with these banks. It's cash or cancel. I'm not give. I'm not going to allow you to keep on uh, using our money for whatever you want to use it for when there mm -hmm. are things in this community that needs to be taken care of. So yeah. I, I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with that. Stephanie, being that this is, you know, black history month, and we're talking about the impact of black led organizations, historically black, organizations. And then there's a new crop of organizations that aren't necessarily, let's say, civil rights focused or justice mm -hmm. focused, but they might be economic empowerment focused. They might be community development focused. They might be personal wholeness and wellness focused. Where do you see yourself in this link? Whose shoulders do you stand on when you when you think of inspiration uh, of women and men who have inspired you in the place that you are now? Wow. Um, I definitely would say one person is my aunt Cheryl who lives in Atlanta, but is from Warren, grew up in the Highland Homes and retired at 44 was in Essence Magazine because she pushed herself to go beyond the norm. So I stand on her shoulders. In our community, we have some strong, I mean, literally, I wrote a list out one day of women that I just looked to like a Sarah Brown Clark, our clerk of courts. Um, Sheila Triplett, who um, is like my mother from MyCap, she runs our MyCap here in Youngstown, that is so about her community and making sure everyone in her community has the necessities necessary um, to succeed. Um, Molly Seals, who was like big at Mercy Health and HR, and she's now retired. And these are women that I look to and pull on for wisdom and just watch them and just learn a lot about how to handle myself. Sometimes you got to know how to play the game. So they teach me that wisdom because I'm, I'm behind me as a generation that's like, stop, nope, forget it. If you don't do what I want, I'm just done. But they taught me that wisdom on how to 
to work with others, even when it's difficult and they don't always look like you and don't want to help you. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, yeah that, 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 that's awesome. And talk about now, this is religiously incorrect. Pastor Jeff and I, I would like to say, I think this is the most diplomatic way of saying it. We are very comfortable with community work and interaction with nonprofits. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you see the black church in particular and its interaction? And again, nothing wrong with membership in your local NAACP, nothing wrong with being a part of our traditional, you know, civil rights and justice organizations. But where do you see good things and maybe some lacking things as far as our interaction with local nonprofits and empowerment organizations that are doing good work. And sometimes they're working the same people that we're trying to minister to. Mm -hmm. I would say that, um, so growing up in a black church in my generation, what I don't see today is the involvement of the black church in the community. Like you said, growing up, I grew up in a church that owned a gas station that built the Calvary Towers. We had a we had a school. We had entrepreneurs all over. That has been lost, and I think the black church has lost that. Um, from what I'm witnessing and experiencing, is we've lost that touch base with our our members, where we're pushing economic empowerment. Um, we love to push politics. We love to say go vote, right? Mm. But then mm. after we vote, what are we telling them to do to get wealth, to get out of debt, to make sure that there is a family unit still in the church when it's not there at home? One thing that I also feel running an organization that's nonprofit that had young people, I got a lot of accolades. I got a lot of pastors saying, I love you. I'm praying for you. Good work. But then I said, thank you. But I would love for you to show up mm. and come just spend some time with the young men in my church in my in my ministry i should say i would love to see that and that was something that we were lacking like you said and then you have the handful who's trying to do it all and one you said it pastor macklin everywhere um and you have the pastors you named are the ones that are doing it all but then there's so many churches on every corner like right now our schools are shut down we were doing hybrid and i was like where's the church why aren't mm. you opening the doors to the church and say, come on, work with your schools. Give me some rent money. Let me have the kids. And then you can do ministry and school at the same time, basically. So I think that there's still work to be done. The church has done a lot, but I would love for the church to come back to what we used to be. And that was economic empowerment for the family. Wow. Got it. Yeah. That's ahead, what Jeff. we need. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because I'm, I'm thinking. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I got you. Uh, and, and I love how you pushed at it. You know, this month, instead of in, in past years, I would just, you know, highlight old pictures of the church for Black History Month. We would uh, last year, I think we made some good strides. We would dedicate every week to a different sector. Like, you mm -hmm. know, let's let's remember all the black educators in our in our community. Let's remember all, you know, the black. Uh, uh, what was the other one? Uh, medical, people who worked in medical fields, doctors and nurses and all of that. And we did black businesses. This time we actually celebrated existing black businesses and, and mm -hmm. those who are, who own. And we, we have about 15 or so in the church and from a couple who have been in it for 50 years or more to people who literally just did ribbon cuttings a few weeks ago and, right. and, and got started. And that's been a passion of mine because the church that I've been blessed to pastor that was the legacy they were the, the, mm -hmm. the church of entrepreneurs and of business owners and 
there are new opportunities. I think there was a gap and maybe that gap was the availability of jobs for a season that we didn't think in the same make it yourself and do it yourself the way we once did. But our generation has come back around to I can't count on GM. I can't count on steel mills. I can't count on a 30, 40 year job in retirement, you know, from out of high school. So and we do live in a market where it's actually there's a lot of accessibility to uh, entrepreneurship, to getting a job started. One thing I've noticed, though, between the church and entrepreneurs in the black community is there's often a cliff of not being able to get to that next level. And mm -hmm. you get started, you start making your T-shirts, you start braiding hair, you know, you do whatever you do. But after a while, you're kind of like in this cocoon of smallness and you're mm -hmm. not really breaking through and breaking out. And mm -hmm. I think even the church, our world has gotten bigger, but our church bubble has gotten smaller in some ways. So mm -hmm. we're we, we can hear what everybody's preaching around the world, but we're not actually collaborating in the ways that we actually could be using this technology. Uh, I'm proud of the social media outreach. So when I know that if I promote these businesses like we have been on Second Baptist, hundreds of people who never heard of them will hear of them. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, like you said, I have a voice politically. I use the bully pulpit for that. I do not separate my politics, my spirituality. But now I realize I have to use that same voice to promote black businesses and black empowerment. And mm -hmm. I don't know if the next generation of ministers are wired that way. I don't know if they're wired that way or they feel like they're diving into the health and wealth stuff again. Or, you know, what do you think are some of the reasons like there's a pullback from that? Well, I think, well, I think the lack of knowledge and accessibility to get the knowledge that you need, right? So like one thing I had an idea for, because I see a lot of people are charged to do like secretary of state stuff, right? So for me, I was just like, well, I know the folks at the Secretary of State. You know the folks at the Secretary of State office. Yep. Let's just do a class at the church. And if you want to start a business, but you're stuck, bring them to the church. Someone asked me one time, and I love her to dearly. She's not from this country, and she's she's a white lady, European. And she says to me, I don't understand. I want, I, I want diversity because this city, this area is just so like racially divided. She's like, how do I do that? I said, you go to them. Black mm. people are not coming to you. You get to come to us. And right. she's like, what? I was like, we don't trust white people. At the end of the day, a lot of us have trust issues because we've been damaged. Da, da, da. So we don't have that. So we want you to come to, you have to come to us and ask us. And that's the same thing with the church. We're in a bubble and we're doing things because, you know, that's how we've been doing business. But even the church had to learn how to go from brick and mortar. And as one of my mentors said, to click and order. You had to go from brick and mortar to click and order. And once the church changes that mindset to go to the click and order technology like you're doing, then that is when the parishioners will follow suit. That's when you'll get the young people to start coming in, those business owners. That's when you can start getting the, I think we forget this sometimes, church is like a business. So if I need more money to run my church or I want to build a new church or I want something in my church, then I got to create a generation that's going to fund what I need, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep. Because the retirement checks, the stuff that we're getting from all of that, that's not going to work. So we right. now have to create our own wealth and that can begin with the power of the pulpit. You, you know, you talked uh, a few minutes ago about uh, the Honorable Bishop Wagner, the, uh, the late Honorable mm -hmm. Bishop Wagner. And uh, he was definitely ahead of his time, you know, like you said, with the Calvary 
towers, yeah. the city of God. You know, obviously we didn't get it started uh, because of his untimely demise of the gas station, the sons of thunder. My God, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he has he has some great stuff going on. You know, the school. Um, uh, like Pastor Todd said, there. You know, we we don't have we can't depend on GM. GE is gone, but there are grants readily mm-hmm. readily available. And I think a lot of the churches aren't taking full, you know, funds. How, how do we de- how do we get churches? You know, I, I know there's grant writers and, you know, people to, who will work on these things for us to get us income. Um, what do you say about that? Us using grant writers and, and, you know, getting the money into these particular areas that we want to use it in? Absolutely. So remember, growing up, churches had programs. And a lot of times the programs funded what the church needed. And that was through funding through the state or whatever. And that's the same thing now with grants. Yes, we may have youth programs around, but like we can't serve all the kids in in one church. So then I think that's where we need to say, okay, it's okay. Everybody's just start some type of programming because you do have local foundations that have a pot, huge pot of money that sits there year after year after year. And if you look at their list to see who they're funding is not the black church. Mm. It is not the black church. Mm. So the black church needs to understand the resources are there and what you don't know, get those grant writers, um, reach out to folks. I've, I've asked multiple pastors and even helped them to say, listen, um, did you get PPP for your church? Who you paying at your church? Did you get the money? Because it is give alone. Like, hold mm-hmm. up, you are a nonprofit and you can get this tip. Um, right. did you get an SBA loan? Because like this is a good time to get the loan, to get a low interest loan, get some stuff done at the church. Like, so just having those conversations, um, the money is there. You just need to know where to go. And that is having those conversations with people like myself and other people in this community who know because we're in the nonprofit world, we could tell you. Go to this foundation for this, the bank for this, a uh, company for this. Ask for donations. A lot of people still paying taxes. Churches, some churches aren't even five hundred one c threes. Yeah, you're right. And you're going to the store and not paying, and you're paying tax. No, 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 no. You're a five hundred one c three. So I think it's just knowing how to just to save where you can, and then going out and getting that funding where it is available. Money is here. Money is here. One of our commenters said uh, that some churches, Lady Dela Cruz, one of our favorite uh, viewers, uh, some churches will not use grants because they are really afraid of government control. And I have heard that all my life. They ain't going to come up in here and tell me I got to take down my crosses. They ain't going (laughs) to tell me that, that I can't preach Jesus. So, I mean, we know that that is not actually true. There are, you know, unfortunately, so many. Uh, white Caucasian ministries that take full advantage and and basically dare the government to absolutely and, and they're far more politically you know mm-hmm. involved than many of our black churches are and we're um, and and how much I guess and me and Jeff can both t- attest to this there's almost this feeling that we're trying to not appear business like not appear like we're a part of the you know, when everyone's beating up on the Creflo dollars of the world and the and the prosperity gospel. So we want to get back to being organic, spirit only, kingdom minded. And we forgot that the kingdom actually consumes, you know, the market. It, it actually includes uh, banking. It includes. But, but we keep segmenting it and you can pray and spit and slobber all you want and all that. That is still not going to produce 
in mm-hmm. reality and practicality uplift for the average person. Right. And that is the problem I think we do see a lot of is that folks still want the black church. No, it's the black church that they want to keep down. The member, I can't drive. I remember one pastor said, I don't want to drive that car because I'm scared of what my member's going to say. I was like, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I know. And I say, and I'm different because I'm like, listen, a pastor is like a doctor to me. If my doctor, if my car is better than my doctor, I'm changing my my practice. Like, because how can you preach Jesus and faith to me and you don't live it? Like, because a lot of you, we have to change that mindset. Pastors are also businessmen because they get a salary from the church. Some of them are good investors. So I can't be mad if you pull up in the car. It's not the church salary. You know how to work your money. Your money's making money when you're asleep. So you can't judge it. And that's our, that is the poverty mentality. And that again has to be taught and that has to be crucified in the church that poverty mentality that you have to, you know, the black church can't take grants because of you're better take the grants. Um, And all grants are not government grants where they want to control it. It's some grants are again, foundations, organizations, you know, getting people to partner with you like a Google, like an Apple to bring programs into your church and they'll pay you for it. So I think it's just, uh, again, knowledge is power, you know, and all thy getting, get an understanding. And I think that's what we just need to do in our churches. Yeah. Uh, I don't have, I don't, I don't have a, question, but I just need to drop this because we talked about it. And I got to tell the church, listen, she talked about, we used to have a program. Listen, y'all better stop. Y'all better stop tripping on them chicken dinners. Y'all better make them chicken dinners and sell those chicken dinners. That's right. Somebody need that chicken dinner money. That's it. I want some chicken right now. I want some fried chicken. Any churches out there selling fried chicken tonight? Right. Church is chicken. Right. (laughs) But that's the thing too. The the power of the church is the economic. Now listen, you get somebody high in that spirit, get that money, and then the church can open up its own church's chicken, and the church can open up its own businesses. That is that's the thing. Like we can, the black church is so powerful and can have so much influence over our community. Like this is the only place that I've seen a pastor. I sat there and said, you need a hundred people to give. And I'm doing the math with you. I'm like, man, this dude about to walk away with $10,000 out of this church. Like what the world? And does it, right? Yeah. The money is there. The money is there. And people will give when they see you doing the work, right? If they see you doing the work, every time you say, I need a hundred dollars because we about to buy, here you go. As a matter of fact, who don't have the hundred? I'll give you got members that could catch up other folk. So mm-hmm. it's just the power is there. We just have to actually take advantage of it and just shift that mindset. One thing I've seen is I detect, if you will, and discern that there's a feeling that many of us are not able to keep up with the high speed shifting and flexibility of what nonprofit, what community work looks like. We are mm-hmm. still very much in the banquet mode. We are still, and there's nothing wrong with the chicken dinners. We need that money, nothing. But, but like you right. said, we are not feeling organically tied to the Google money. We're not mm-hmm. feeling tied like that we deserve. And it's almost like what we, we used to call it, you know, we still call it imposter syndrome. We feel like mm-hmm. we don't belong in those spaces. Right. Even sometimes when those spaces are seeking us out. And yes. in 
the black community, that poverty mentality actually blocks us from walking through doors that God has opened. And we're sitting here worried about what we feel about ourselves, how other people think about us. And meanwhile, we know full well that our communities, as I said to a Caucasian evangelical friend of mine who has a rather large church on the other side of town, we do very similar work, but at different levels. And their capacity of their organic givers is just higher than ours. Mm -hmm. So I said, brother, you know, you're working with suburban money. I'm working with hood money. Right. So, you know, it's a huge difference. So you got enough to do programs for y'all. Then you come over on my side of town and set up a few blow ups and you doing stuff over here. And mm -hmm. I'm just trying to pass mm -hmm. out a snow cone, you know, and, <laughs> and a right. lot of us feel we're often behind. I say this a lot. <laughs> Black churches can be easily 10 to 15 to 20 years behind what's happening oh, God, in yes. the broader world. I still got black preachers who are trying to build a, a computer room with actual desktop, you know, computers like Apple IIs. Like they're trying to bring in. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, and, but that's, but, but we're just, we're just so often behind mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what is actually going on. Last time I did the building at the Focus building, somebody was like, where are the computer's gonna go? I said, the kids are gonna bring their computers. Yeah. If I, if I stack this place with computers, that would be a waste of space and money and equipment. And somebody still donated, they donated me computers and we never used them because mm -hmm. nobody was going to. So how does being able to modernize and keep up with the times, not just the church, but good nonprofits and organizations too? Uh, how important is it to stay up to date? It is it's so crucial to our community. So even the work I'm doing now at the YBI, the reason I went back is the YBI has been the number one incubator in the world twice. Mm. Mm. The access they have, the, the additive manufacturing plant America makes, Obama said, I want to start a hub for additive manufacturing and made it competitive. His like first year in office. My CEO wrote a grant. And we won that award in Youngstown, Ohio. And if you pull up his State of the Union addresses, his first and second one were mentioned. Youngstown, mm. Ohio. That's when he fell in love with Youngstown. That's when he fell in love with Jay Williams. Because he knew that we had a Black president trying to penetrate our community with technology. Because right now it breaks my heart when I'm in an environment and I hear men talking about, I wish I could have somebody, and it's paying 60, 50, out the gate. And I have no young black men I can say or yeah. women to say, dang, yeah. because we're that far behind. And that's yeah. a whole nother story because that actually begins with our school districts and our, our, our that whole education system that suppresses us not to go there. So for us to say how important is technology in the black community, period, not just the church, it is it will either save us or it will cause us to continue to die and we will continue to be the poorest city in the United States of America. Wow. That's the difference. And so for us, I did, we did a hackathon and all I, I really just wanted black and brown kids because they asked me for it. Case Western said, we want black and brown kids because again, the guilt, we missed out on opportunities and there's such a gap. We need them. So for me, not only am I teaching my kids entrepreneurship, but I'm also adding a twist to how can I now open the business? But how are we going to add technology to your business that you're not just local, but you're global? 
And then in a minute, kryptonite and all of that, you'll be able to do all of that. So, yeah. So it's important. And it, it, yeah. and we have to do it now or we, we are going to miss out on so many opportunities when it comes to wealth. Wow. Do you feel that doing work outside of the church necessarily has to produce a shift in traditions inside the church? Because I think that often when we see the the models of those who are really excelling, you know, it's obviously a, a lot of times, sometimes you still see some traditional church, but it, I think we often associate that with modern, very contemporary style, lots of amenities, obviously very flashy and professional ministry presentation. And then that translates into professionalism and impact outside the church. But mm -hmm. I've often told our church, you know, you know, Stephanie, we're going to be second Baptist up in here. We'll change right. methodologies when people walk in, which by the way, most people in the black community are still not like, nah, I, I just can't take black. No, they love the black church as it is. They just don't love the fact that we do so little with what we have. That that's what I, that's my assessment, especially in a place like Warren. It's not like I'm yeah. competing with a bunch of Jamal Bryant's and Warren and Youngstown, you know. And, and I don't use that word competing in a negative way. But people are fine, and I think some people feel threatened. Like, okay, I'm going to have to overturn everything I preach and teach. Uh, we have to stop talking about holiness. We're not going to be, you know. And in some cases, people feel like they'll cease to be black that they'll become something other than their tradition. Have you seen successful models of churches that have successfully engaged the culture and broadened their reach beyond the walls, but maintain their identity and who they are? Um, I would say you mentioned them. I mean, I think that one is, is Jamal Bryan, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, uh -huh. He has learned how to, how to take and shift an old Baptist, missionary Baptist church where you had mixed cultures and he's been able to introduce tech technology to them um, and, and do different things. Like for instance, he had, uh, he just did a program with youth as well with Google. And he had the lady from Facebook and Google, black women coming into the church to say, hey, this is what we offer. This is what we're doing. And we're backing this program. Like he goes out and he finds it and he mm -hmm. makes it happen for his community. Just like he's getting solar panels so that more people in the neighborhood can just use the solar paper panels off of the church to get electricity. Mm -hmm. um, so there are there are technologies. And I think for the church, we have to remember that technology is not something crazy and scary. It's not. It's just it's just taking something and making it new. So it's just like Jesus used technology. He's the first person I know to use technology when he turned water into wine. That's technology. That's taking something that exists and shifting it to something else. And so for the church, you have to remember, he, I mean, we called them miracles, but it was technology. It was wow. his technology. And so I think for us as the church, we have to take on that mentality, like let this mind be in you, right. which was also in Christ Jesus technology is what he had um people technology is something that jesus used all the time to change the world love it yeah absolutely i just you know from listening exactly what todd was just saying is it's very difficult i think for a lot of at least the smaller churches because a lot of these smaller churches aren't bit, built 
for the technological type stuff that, you know, some of these more modern churches are. And mm -hmm. so even with us, we have to do things um, outside of the church that doesn't change the tradition of the church. And I think a lot of us are losing it because we're trying to turn, um, you know, Mother Missionary Baptist Church into the word. <laughs> and it yes. just doesn't fit. <laughs> you know, you got people flagging and hitting you in front because of front seat in the pool pit is just close to one of them. <laughs> they have flag team. Just leave the flags alone. <laughs> you, it, get, it, get, the really small ones. get the really small ones. Yes. <laughs> the little United States flag. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like get them out your like the big ones right. gotta go. The big ones gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we gotta, you know, you know, we gotta we have to we have to learn to do things outside the church and to mm -hmm. and to work with people like you and, and mm -hmm. you know other organizations and um, you know, it's just it's it's we we have to find a different way or a more more uh, efficient way to do things. Yes. Yeah, that's the key. If what's efficient, and when you when you come up with those technologies or those techniques to make that happen in your church, because right now we all are on the same playing field. Everybody, you know, COVID nineteen shut everybody down. Yeah. Right. So now you have the same platform as a Bishop T D Jason, the Joel Osteen. Praise God. So you can have as many members as you want to have based on the technology that you have. And so for us, it's even sometimes um, when I get entrepreneurs to come to me and they're so, I always say, can you just start for me first before you get fearful of everything else? Like, just get started. <laughs> so if that's going live on Facebook, YouTube or whatever, then start there and then build from there. And that goes for the small church as well as the big church, because no one is going back to church as we knew it before. I don't see that happening anytime soon where we're going in masses. So right now there's an opportunity for the small church to really grow and show what they really have to me. Um, through the different techniques and then do, through outreach. Again, programs, doing things unique. Like I said, Youngstown City Schools right now, they're struggling. They want, the CEO doesn't really want the kids to go back, but we have kids that are in need of a stable internet, a state meals that they could count on. And so I was like, where's the church? I need the church. Hello, church. Can y'all can y'all open up your doors just like two days a week um, and let the kids come in like that? And then when you do that, the money comes. Money comes when you do that. So, yeah, I, I love it. I, I love it. I, I want to ask you a little bit more about your program that you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And that's everybody watching. We'll just kind of reset. Welcome to Religiously Incorrect once again. Uh, thank you for joining us. Leave your comments. If you have any questions for Stephanie, I know she has poured out so much. She 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 answers the questions before you even ask. Uh, <laughs> but that's a good thing. Uh, like us on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, and 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 be sure to leave us your comments, good, bad, or ugly. Most of the ugly comments are about me, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to ask you, and then we have a few questions. What does your program consist of? Who is it serving? Like what regional area age groups and what does success look like for you? Ooh, I'm going to tell you. So the program right now that we're starting, the youth entrepreneurship program, we're starting with 15 weeks and we start March 16th. We're only taking 25 students. And I think we hit that mark already. Um, and what we're doing, 15 weeks of an accelerator program. So I do a women's program and the youth is going to follow the same line. We had somebody who donated domain names. This guy bought domain names years ago 
as an investment. He started multiple businesses in our community, sold them, very successful. He bought BET.com for betting purposes, huh. not knowing that BET.com would be needed by Black Entertainment Television, who had to go to him and buy the domain name. So this is a man that is like, what do you need from me? I'm there. And I'm like, I need you for the technology piece. So we're going to do things like taking dominion. So we're going to have domain names he's given to us. The kids are going to create business ideas based on that. So our whole goal is by the time these kids are done, they will be registered to do business with the state of Ohio. They will have hands-on prototypes for their products and services by the time they're done with us. They will have understanding of accounting, finance, and the legal piece. Um, So financial literacy will be wrapped up in this program. And then they're going to learn how to pitch and communicate. And we'll eventually in the summer do a youth shark tank so they can pitch their ideas and win scholarship money or seed money, round money to go into their business. So that is where we're starting now with that program. And you asked me something else and it just slipped my mind. I forgot what you said. Who does it serve like age groups? Who, who does so it age serve groups, and where? Groups. Yeah. So we're, we're at the Youngstown Business Incubator. We'll be there um, once a week. Tuesdays for three hours from four to seven, ages nine through 18 is who we're serving. Um, And we are looking for the kids who live in the city limits. That's who we want. If we get a couple that sprinkle from the suburbs, that's fine. But our mission and goal is to get at least 90% that live in the city limits. That's who we want to reach. Real quickly, before we take the questions off, uh, off the prompter, I want to ask you, because you said something about financial literacy, and I mm-hmm. think that's very important in starting businesses with kids, uh, you know, because a lot of these kids, uh, they got cars in their names and they can't even drive yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so credit, credit and started off bad from Ooh, the idiot. Yeah, you know, I got one of the bills in a name, and uh, you know, so and and I see a lot of it online now, where everybody is doing this credit repair, you know, and I'm like, I, I wouldn't even let you fix my plate at at home, so I, mm-hmm. I didn't let you fix my credit. So I mean, you know, with all these business, with all these businesses popping up, everybody, I mean, how you fixing your credit and your you you stay in an apartment, but um, I guess you <laughs> out support. <laughs> I guess you could do it. So, I mean, what do you say about this and in, in just the financial literacy part and the credit part? So I think for me, um, it's very important. So I have a meeting this week with the guy from Merrill Lynch who saw me on the news and wants to partner. I want him. Like that to me, I need people who could come in like a Jamie Carpenter, who's a black male. He's my investor. I need folks like him. Um, And I've had folks like a Molly Seals, who's a black woman, who's very good, been doing investments since her kids were little and they're like in their thirties and she's okay. She's blessed and highly favored. So it's having those folks come in. And again, my aunt who was VP of Charles Schwab um, coming in, it's about, changing their environment. So that's why I want them to leave where they are, come to me, because I need you to see a whole new world. And then I need people who look like you and don't look like you who are successful. Because I'm like you, Pastor Jeff, I see people and I'm like, you're going to teach me how to do what? And it doesn't add up. So I think it's important that we show, show our youth things that people who add up to what we want them to have. And that is a successful portfolio and have good credit. 
So I think it's very important that they understand that when you make $500 off of a product, you don't go buy Jordans. No, no, no. You more. reinvest that money because you got to buy more product to make for sales so you can continue to make money. So I think that is all a part of the program, them understanding that key component too. I'm going to need your aunt to call me because I got a whole lot of money in Charles Schwab. I need to, you know what I'm saying? I need her to, you know, put the brother up. You know, Just I got interest rate. Charles Schwab, Charles Schwab, oh me. Just knock the interest rate up a bit. Uh, Alan uh, has a question from the audience. What collaborative mm -hmm. things do you recommend the Valley do to create innovation and new forms of ministry? So to create innovation and new forms of ministry. Uh, what do you recommend? So I definitely recommend a lot of the ministries partnering because we have a lot of churches um, that have similar missions, but they need to come together to, for one cause. And I think one thing that we can definitely do to create innovation and new forms of ministry is understand that um, ministry is no longer inside of your church walls. And so when you do ministry, it is about empowering the people that are in your pews so they could go out into the marketplace and do ministry for you. So there's no different than um, what Jesus did with the disciples and dispersing. Right. He only had 12 and some of us. So we don't need a large church to make it happen. Um, and I think so. That's one thing that I think we could definitely do better in our valley. Um, and it also in our valley begins with leadership. Um. So not only leadership in the church, but leadership in our political field and our churches. We need to push more of our youth and our members to become politically active and serve as city council. And that's what we learned in this valley that white people do all the time. They, mm -hmm. they have meetings and they say, so you gonna serve here. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. That way they get stuff done. And so we need to do the same in the Valley as a black community, as a minority community. We need to be able to put people in position. I love it. I love it. Uh, Big Mike posed a question for people who have a good business idea, mm -hmm. but don't have the knowledge of where to look for or who to talk to about the grants that are available. Uh, what should they do? So absolutely reach out to me or to our YBI.org website because we have resources there. You also have um, SBDC. You also have SCORE that are on college campuses that can get you that information too. Warren's library system, I'm not sure about, but our library has a whole business center where mm. they help you find grants. They, they have classes and they teach you and you can do business plans. So we partner with them a lot as well. So I say definitely reaching out to the organizations you know are doing the work in the community. I love it. I love it. Um, any other questions? We're just, we're just checking. Uh, Charlene said a great thing. Uh, it's not just a pastor's job to do ministry, but the congregation must get, get involved. And, and I must say that yes. that is something that has to be rediscovered in our churches is uh, lay leadership. And mm -hmm. when I say lay leadership, I'm not just talking about a member who has a position. I'm talking about a member who has a vision. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The pastor mm -hmm. might have a vision for the church, but that member might have a vision for a particular segment of the community or work and then find out how they can meld and, and work together. And I do think that we've lived, excuse me, in the era of the personality and the pulpit being the main driver of mm -hmm. ministries. 
which has actually in some ways undercut the traditional black church, which used to sort of demand congregational involvement. And so thankfully, you know, on one side, you have some good doctrine. So you ain't got, you know, one board kind of running a man or a woman, you know, in or out of the church. And that's good that you have more balance. But at the same time, there's been a, a, a pullback of responsibility and accountability that mm-hmm. that this might be uh, the pastor's you know, job to shepherd. But it's all of our job to grow and develop, not just the church, but the community we live in, the, yep, the youth absolutely. we're raising. And, and I feel that that has to be something that has to be recaptured. Unfortunately, we've run enough people away that we have to sort of throw the fishing line back out to that new generation and mm-hmm. talk about how we can meld personal and community empowerment with spiritual regeneration and mm-hmm. put those two things together. Because there are some great movers and shakers doing some things that just then connected to our churches. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and, and very well could be. And I think that we, from the pulpit, have to have an open mind, yeah. open heart to listen, mm-hmm. because a lot of times those that are the movers and shakers are leaving the inner city and going out to these uh, suburbs you know, and suburb, suburban churches and, and, and they're, they're giving their ideas to them and they're listening and running with them. Well, yep. they've been told no. They've been told no so many times. Yes. You know, I worried uh, in Warren, and unfortunately, there is a huge, you know, difference between Warren and Youngstown, even though it's only a 15 minute, you there know, uh, 15 minute drive. My generation, and even the generation, you know, beyond me, the older ones, we have seen so much disparity and so much distress, it almost breeds a can't do spirit. You know, mm-hmm. we're just so busy trying to survive and mourn what we've lost that yeah. we're not able to look into what can be rediscovered. And I keep preaching I've been for five, six years now. The steel mills ain't coming back. Stop praying. GM mm-hmm. is gone. Forget gone. about it. We have to start. And I mean, literally this month, I'll be talking about new seasons, new visions, new dreams. We have to reimagine our realities. And that's something we struggle with, even as black people, because Black History Month, we're so tied to the past, we are not as committed and we're not as passionate about creating a brighter future. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Pastor Jeff, what do you see? And I'm just kind of mixing this up now. When you hear what Stephanie's talking about, when you hear some of the ideas and things, uh, as a pastor, what do you feel are some barriers or some things that you talked about being small? And what are some other challenges you think you might want to tackle and address so that you could maybe embrace some of the things she's talked about tonight? Well, I think uh, one of the biggest things is, is, and not just for me, because obviously I'm right with you. I'm, I'm in your back pocket, you know, pastors who are, are moving and shaking and, 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 and making things happen. I think we have to be, stop having that jealous attitude mm-hmm. or like they doing so much or they think they all this. No, you need to get, you know, stop trying to go against the flow or right, uh, yeah. swim upstream. Instead, you know, get where, get on the channel that's moving, and you need to flow with them. So, you know, when you call me and you say, you know, I got this idea and I got that idea, and you know, I'll say, yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good. What can I do? How can I get in there? Right. Where can I right. fit in? Where right. can I fit in? You know, mm-hmm. I I don't need to be the leader. Just you know, you know, you and I worked on a project not too long ago with, with the big give. You know. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be a leader. I need to be on TV. I, you know, I gave my money. You, you called me. We went out. We gave. We gave away groceries. It was beautiful. You know what I'm saying? 
I think we need to partner with people, whether it be pastors, whether it be the politicians, mm-hmm. you know, we, we need to know what's going on in the community. That's yeah. one thing. Half of us don't even know what's going on. Half of us don't even mm-hmm. know, you know, when the city council meetings are, when the board meetings are, where the school meetings are. We have to, we have to be more involved. We have to be more, you know, communicate more and, you know, just in everything we do can't be a secret. Right. Uh, right. Right. Let's right. stop having these secret backroom meetings. I'm working on something. I'm working on something. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, because in the end, somebody ends up taking our idea and, you know, and then you, you say, well, I had that. That that was actually us. No, it wasn't. Right. It was. We don't know that it was you. Right. Because right. you ain't never had no idea before. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and it's okay to not be the person who doesn't necessarily envision what the dream of the project is, but is willing mm-hmm. to work at what has been envisioned. And right. Steph, Steph is right. The reason I get phone calls now is because, you know, it, it does pay off to stick your neck out there and say, I'm doing this. When the news calls, I don't say no, because yep. I'm not, at this point, I'm not really concerned about that one or two or 50 people who are sick of seeing my name and seeing my face. I'm really concerned about the people who don't know my name and mm-hmm. don't know my face yet and didn't catch me in the last story. They didn't catch me when I was doing youth choir, but they're going to yes. catch me over here walking around the neighborhood. They're going to catch me with black boys read. And that call comes and what can we do to help you? How can mm-hmm. we partner? And sometimes it might not be a good fit, but that's another thing in my back pocket of, okay, I know who yep. I can lean on or return to. And, and trust me, I want to see a WBI. I mean, uh, I know we have an incubator in Warren, but as far as the youth initiatives, uh, we have to be willing to, quite frankly, bilk off of ideas we see working in other places and see how mm-hmm. we can form and mold them for our own communities. And that's something that I always say is that um, I had a conversation with an organization last week. Um, the chairman of their board called me and was like, I need you to talk to them and how can we partner? And I said to them, I said, listen, this idea is great, but if you want it in Warren, talk to me because I don't believe in and just be like, no, it's just mine. No, there's so much work to be done right. that none of us can afford to be selfish with the vision or the mission God has given us. He, we have to share it. And even if it's within the church, without the church, whatever we need to do to make it happen. So I agree with you on that one, Pastor Todd. I love it. Love it. We're going to bring in Big Mike in a minute as we begin to uh, shut down. We're actually just taking an intermission to start our second hour. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, any any final thoughts you just want to leave? Uh, you've been excellent. I mean, the knowledge, the wealth. Uh, I mean, you're already well respected. I think we introduced you to even more people uh, who are going to be calling you and looking you up, hopefully, and maybe hopefully engaging their young people. Any final thoughts or 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 words you want to share before we bring in Big Mike and he tears up the whole joint? <laughs> sure. I just want to to whoever's watching and encourage you that if you do have a business owner or you are a local nonprofit organization and you're just confused on where to go, um, there's so much available, so many resources. Please don't hesitate to find me on social media. Reach out to me. I am happy to share what I do know because it's going to take a whole village to make our city, our community, our valley great. You know, Trump said, make America great again. I keep saying, make our valley great again. Mm -hmm. And we can do that with 
our whole um, community just coming together. So what you don't know, there's somebody out there who knows it, and I am one, and I'm happy to help. I love before it. You bring, before you bring in Big Mike, Stephanie, is there a book? Are you are you working on a book? Is there a book? Um, there's yes. a book in you. <laughs> I, I am just, working on something. I am working on something. So yes, sir. You got right. the big announcement out. Okay. Oh, shoot. <laughs> he pushing me, man. He pushing you, right. You just felt it in, in the atmosphere. It was in, in the, the room. Atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a book in the room somewhere. <laughs> uh, big Mike, what's up, man? What up, what up, what up? What's happening? Oh, man, Stephanie, such a pleasure having you on. I learned so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, big mover and shaker in white time. I see, so I will be in touch. Okay, <laughs> you get my info. Pod, you about to start a podcast incubator? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you about, about to have all your kids doing podcasts. That's good. <laughs> Multiple you know, streams. But right. I, I really, you know, enjoyed the part about the technology because um, it seems like you know, like Pastor Todd was saying, you know, the steel mills—they're not coming back. GM, they're not going to come back to the full capacity. I mean, those those nine to five jobs, those 30 years and out, that's 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 going out the window. Um, I went to a job site about a month ago. They were building this warehouse for frozen foods. And the guy who was working on it said that it was four floors. I can't remember how wide you know it was, but it was four floors huge. And he said that the whole thing is going to be totally automated, not a human in sight. Wow. And that right there really, you know, triggered it like, okay, yeah, these these kids really start start need to start learning technology, computers, mm-hmm. coding, and things like that. Because that regular nine to five job, mm-hmm. it's gone. It's, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. It is. It is. But that's all I got. That's all I got. I just wanted to chime in real quick. You got any rapid fire for us? And he asked a black pastor. He (laughs) asked the pastor questions. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, since it's the end of Black History Month, uh, we we was kind of joking about it earlier. What is your least favorite black movie or your worst black movie? Mm. Uh, my, my mind is probably I'm gonna get you sucker in blank man. <laughs> Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> uh, I think I'm gonna go with CB4. CB4, yeah, that was kind of bad too. Chris CB4, Rock. That was yeah. just that was just not good. Yeah, it was kind of bad. It was kind of bad. Yeah. What you got, Stephanie? A lot of the spike lee joints. <laughs> Really? <laughs> I'm sticking to it. I'm sorry. You're sticking to Spike Lee fashion. I love him, but geez. No better blues? You didn't like it's that? It was uh, okay. okay. That might have been the only one, but <laughs> Spike Lee just is a lot of work. Well, <laughs> that was pretty good, though. I'm, I'm going to lay down the hatchet, and my wife's going to come down here and be upset, but all Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> <laughs> They're predictable. They are predictable. And makeup Man. in the world. It's always a dark skinned villain and a light skinned savior. <laughs> yes. 
terrible church scenes that should be so much better because he has all the gospel superstars. He has all the, the church, gospel superstars. The church scene, there has never been a good church. Has there been a good church scene in any movie? We have to have a do a whole show no. about bad church scenes. Here's how bad church scenes are in movies. My favorite church scene is when James Brown is the preacher in the Blues Brothers movie and Shaka Khan is the choir leader and he just dances and does splits the whole time. Because everything else, I'm like watching one guy on a piano, one guy's on a piano and like there's a whole band playing. I'm like, where's the band at? It's funny, man. I I was looking at my memories this morning and I mean, this was probably like 10, 11 years ago. And I posted that my wife, I don't even remember what movie we was watching, but it was one of these gospel, one of these church movies. And she said, my wife has said, uh, the, 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 the lady who was preaching didn't give no honor to the pastor. Right. <laughs> she, didn't give, she didn't give a subject text. Think of a subject to a pastor way too long. I mean, my wife was just going in on him. But, but black people, I, I'm wondering if they even know the church or these are a bunch of black folks that don't even go to church. Because even when they did the Clark movie, the one preacher had his collar on backwards. You, you can see them. <laughs> what in the world? You would notice that. I didn't even notice They that. should have noticed that. They're coaching royalty. Where are these people at? Oh. But I'm just saying, I, 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 all Tyler Perry movies. I, I'm not a Tyler, <gasps> I'm proud of him. I'm proud right. of him. Every time he has earned. But his art is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I, I ain't going to say it's garbage. I like it's I it. Have you seen The Oval? And sisters and these dumb. I hate. Shows. I don't like it. I can't get into it. I can't. No. Now, Tyler, Hasn't you want to get on our show and defend yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody but, tell but, him but, to go and warn a young. Just don't wear that one wig you wore in a one movie. Yeah, don't wear that wig. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. But but hey. I, I have noticed a shift in Hollywood as far as your mainstream movies and your mainstream TV shows. There are a mm-hmm. lot of a lot more black people oh, being featured. You know, on, on your sitcoms, on your murder shows, on your mystery show, just, you know, your, your everyday network TV and also on, you know, like your HBO's, your premium channels. There, there, there's a lot of good shows with a lot of good representation of this us. This is how we know Mike and Jeff are getting old. We got Ice-T solving crimes instead of committing crimes. <laughs> hey, he commit the crimes. Hey, <laughs> Pastor Tatum said Baps. That was the Baps, one. Yeah, that was Baps. I liked Baps. You like Baps. You like you like Baps, but don't like Spike Lee. <laughs> Baps was like the uh, origins of ratchetness. Baps was like it was the beginning. It was the I beginning of ratchetness. The yes, genesis they were of ratchetness. Ratchet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You uh, want to make the announcement for next week? I'll put the graphic up. Yo, we have. It, 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 it's, I know Stephanie will love this. Everybody loves We have a very special first Sunday. Y'all know first Sundays, we always do it up big. We've had some great guests. And we're going to next level with Religiously Incorrect. This first Sunday, which is March 7th, we want you to tune in on YouTube and on Facebook because we are bringing in the one and only visionary of the Pajam production team, Paul P.D.A. Allen. Are y'all here? We talking about the brother behind some of the greatest hits and this whole new generation. We might as well call it New Jack Gospel. I mean, the the, the Jake Moss. I mean, he has been behind so much. He's worked with Hezzy. Everybody you can think of has been through the pajam system. He's like our Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis in in the 2000s. I mean, he has 
been a part of so many foundational projects. And Pastor Jeff, Pastor um, myself, we get to talk to this brother about his journey, about his art, about his connections. Maybe we'll get some more stories like we got from Jeff's buddy about trying to beat up some background singers. <laughs> some gospel background singers. Ah! But y'all, make sure you like and share yeah, and follow. Yeah, get your subscription alerts up so that you know when we're live. Get your uh, Get your questions ready. All you industry heads, all you gospel artists, it don't get no better than this. You know, unless Tyler Perry comes on to defend his bad movie. But it don't get <laughs> no better than this. So first Sunday, March 7th, 9 p.m., right here on Religiously Incorrect. I I'm just excited already, Jeff. I'm excited oh, yeah. already. I'm I'm excited. About. I, need, I need Ben Hurt, Tara Elkins. Ben Hurt, Tara John Elkins. All y'all, all y'all. All, all, all of you. Kingdom all y'all wannabes. Let's everybody, go. Everybody <laughs> who's ready to go, go up. Let, let's do it. We might do some live That's auditions. Awesome. Hey, and we'll we'll uh, we'll be doing some more giveaways too. We'll probably hand out some more T-shirts. So, so who do we give away to? Uh, Mike, uh, Mark Rains. Yeah, Mark Rains and, and uh, Lady Charlene Cruz. First and Lady Charlene, you sent Mark. You sent Mark his medium, right? It's medium, yes, sir. Medium. Yes. Okay. <laughs> We're the same size. It's a medium. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sweet. Hey, y'all, make sure you go to religiouslyincorrectpodcast.com. Buy your gear. We got everything from cups to cell phone holders, t-shirts, hoodies, all that good stuff. People in Warren are tired of watching me rock my 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 my, my uh, hoodie starting to get faded out and everything else because I just rock it because it's 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 pandemic wear now. I used to wear a suit and tie every day. Now it's just hoodies and joggers. <laughs> hoodies, yep. Hoodie hoodie preacher. Listen, thank you, Stephanie, so much for joining us and rocking thank with you. us. Thank you. Appreciate it. What's up? Uh, we have we have to talk about uh, preacher haircuts with uh, Ryan one day. Vanity, all vanity. We got to bring all the the Beijing to the. Uh, oh my gosh, no! Mm -mm, mm -mm. Let it go. Let it go. No, bring no. Some gorilla, the, bring the gorilla glue. Gorilla glue. Bring the gorilla glue. <laughs> And, and make it happen. So, hey, y'all, y'all keep liking and sharing. Stick with the Ridley Incorrect crew. We appreciate it. Jeff, you want to say anything? Man, we just love y'all. See y'all next week. Peace. Mike, take us out so I can dance. All right, y'all. <laughs>